Hey, and welcome to another new episode of my podcast titled The Truth for Youth. My name is Bintu St. Jean, your host, and today we have ourselves a hot topic. Our topic is none other than youth and sexuality. Let's talk about it. Nothing in society sells more than sex. And unfortunately, the youth are buying it. After all, is watching pornography wrong? Is masturbation a sin? And why should I wait until marriage? Well, we'll find out on this next episode, Youth and Sexuality. You don't want to miss this. Stay tuned. It's on TV. It's on the radio. It's on magazines. It's on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. It's on the internet. And as a result, it's on everyone's mind. And by everyone, I mean the youth. You can escape the conversation, but you can't escape the reality that we live in a sexual, promiscuous society. One that seeks and thrives for pleasure. But is sex a bad thing at all? Can there be any virtue at all with such activity? Or should it just be shunned and done away with altogether? Good for nothing and useless? Well... Let's start from the beginning. In the beginning, God created the world. Then, after God created the world, God created animals. And after God created animals, God created man, human beings, Adam and Eve. Not only did God create Adam and Eve, but he also gave them a commandment and not just the command of not eating the fruit from the tree of life, but also a command to be fruitful and multiply. In other words, God commanded Adam and Eve to have sex. I mean, let's think about this. What other way can human beings multiply than having Intimacy, a male mating with a female. So we can see that by this, sex is actually introduced to us as a good thing, a pure thing, something that should bring happiness to our world. We see that it is pure and that it's actually brought into this world in a positive light. So let me just get this straight right here, right? It's interesting that I'm even thinking about it. God created sex. And not only did he create it, but as I mentioned before, 
he commanded it. And it's funny to me that even as I think about that, right? I mean, just imagine God just walking up to Adam and saying, you know, Adam, uh, we got to have a talk, right? Um, yeah, you need to get the moving, man. Uh, yeah. You know, go sleep with your wife, Eve, all right? Because we need some children here, all right? We need you guys to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth, okay? I need you to get going. I need you to go and get to know your wives so that we can get this, this recreating process, okay? Because, Adam, I'm not going to create the rest of your family, all right? You have to go and procreate, okay? Now, we just had a five-hour meeting as to whether or not we will name this planet Earth or planet Zoo, and you and Adam, you and Eve made all the difference. So I'm gonna need you to get started. Come on, go, go, go. Go under the bushes, go behind a tree, do whatever it is that you have to do, okay? We need to get this command going. <laughs> Interesting, right? Just my imagination kind of runs through those channels when I think about it. But it's just interesting to me that God commanded this thing. And it's funny because nowadays when we think about the word sex, there's just so many negative connotations and concepts that comes to it. And, you know, when someone hears the word sex, like, oh, you know, you try to back away from it or even people shy away from the conversation and the subject as if it's something to be afraid or ashamed of. But we see in the Bible, it's introduced as something innocent. Matter of fact, Adam and Eve were naked. They seen each other. Um, their bodies were exposed, but yet the Bible says they were shameless. So actually, sex in the Bible is not introduced as something to be shamed about. Sex in the Bible is actually introduced as something that Adam and Eve were completely comfortable with. So what I'm trying to say here is that the issue is not sex. In and of itself, sex is an innocent activity. The problem is what society has done with it. The problem is what society has done with the gift that God has given us. The problem is not sex. The problem is the context. It's what society has perverted, what society has projected, and what society has presented sex before the mind of the masses, and by the mind of the masses, I mean the youth, that has caused it to bring so much misery, so much woe, and so much heartbreak that when we think about this word, we have such a negative viewpoint on it because of such negative experiences that's only a result of a negative perception that was projected by a sexual promiscuous society. And as I mentioned, the perversion of this gift, this brings me to my next point, which is pornography. Nothing in our world perverts more the idea, the concept, and the gift of sex than pornography. Let's talk about it. According to an article, the Recovery Village, it's a site that brings awareness to the addiction of pornography and provides resources to help those with that addiction to overcome it. According to this article, research was done and it was shown that 40 million 
U.S. adults struggle with regularly visiting internet pornographic websites. 10% of U.S. adults admit to having an addiction to these sites. 17% of all women struggle with porn addiction. And get this, 20% of men and 13% of women admit to accessing these sites even at work. I mean, even on the clock. So we see the prevalence of the porn industry is sweeping across our nation and has gotten a hold of U.S. adults. But the statistics becomes even more frightening when it comes to our youth. Listen closely. The median age of first exposure to pornography is now only 14 years old. And here's the crazy part. As many as 93.2% of boys and 62.1% of girls first see porn before they turn 18. And must I add, the porn industry is a $16.9 billion industry. The odds are against us, especially our youth. Now, here's a disclaimer. If you are someone who have never visited these forbidden sites, who have never watched this thing called pornography, good. Keep it that way. I'm telling you right now, a pure mind is luxury. Keep it that way. There is no reason anyone should visit these sites to learn about sex or their bodies because it is not the right source to learn about both things. It's actually damaging and harmful. And unfortunately, it gets in the way of personal relationships, which we will get into later on. Now, let's talk about why pornography is damaging. Number one, it gives you the wrong perspective about sex. Remember what I said, sex in its right context is good. The context that sex is introduced is in the context of a relationship where two individuals love each other. And by two individuals, I mean male and female. And by male and female who love each other, I mean marriage. Sex is introduced to us in a context of marriage in which two individuals are in love and are intentionally engaged in making one another happy, pursuing each other's happiness. And in this, in this context, is it safe for sex to be introduced? Now, sex is innocent when love is the guiding principle. And when I say love, I don't just mean the emotions, the feeling, the oh, thank you, the flirtations and all this other stuff, the thank you cards and Valentine's Day, whatever, you know, the passion that's that's all around love and the glitter and the glamour. No, 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 no. When I say love, I mean intentions. I mean integrity. I mean two individuals who are willing to make it work. I mean Two individuals who are committed to the happiness of one another. You see, pornography introduces sex to us without the emotions, without the connections, and without the love. Sex without love is pornography. 
When a man decides to sleep with a young lady without any intentions of genuinely loving her and marrying her, or should I say, already being married to her, it's no longer sex, it's pornography. Sex was never meant to happen between two strangers. Pornography is strangers having sex. Adam was no stranger to Eve, and Eve was no stranger to Adam. When you take love out of sex, it becomes pornography. And unfortunately, young people are falling for this. They want the experience. They want the gratification. They want the satisf satisfaction more than they want love. And all of this, I cannot blame entirely on the young people. I have to also put the blame on the society that we live in. I mean, nothing in our world is more glorified than sex, right? If you're watching a music video, a hip hop or an R&B video, guess what's on there? It's, you know, half naked women who are dancing, who are dancing, you know, uh, promiscuously, dressed promiscuously. And all of these things are thrown in the eyes of our young people. I mean, if you drive outside and you're driving on your way to Walmart, you're driving on the way uh, to the store, you look up and there's billboards of half-naked women. I mean, on every corner while there's a, a, a corner store, you know, not too far away, you have adult stores. I mean, sex is like everywhere in our society. And it's no wonder that it is presented to us as sort of the highest human experience, right? Society makes it seem like, like yo, if you don't do this thing, you're going to die or you're not living. It's as if sex is presented to us as the highest human experience, right? And it's like, they just make it, there's so much hype around this thing that as a young person, it's kind of hard to navigate through this and kind of say that, hey, I'm gonna hold off on marriage. It's kind of like, yo, what's all the hype about, right? So we see that it's, 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 it's difficult. And as a young person, we tend to fall for these propagandas. But I also want to mention that pornography affects men and women differently. Men are visual. So, of course, you throw any nude image or video in front of a guy. I mean, he's going to go cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. But women are different because for women, it's not about the physical touch but the connection. So for women, pornography would be more of a struggle in the format of a book, something with a storyline and a buildup, you know, Dear John, or whatever the case is in which two individuals have more than just a physical connection, but also an emotional uh, connection as well too, because they're emotional beings. If a woman is dating a guy, you know, and she randomly mentions to him that she wants to sleep with him. What do you think the guy's reaction is going to be? <laughs> what do you think he's going to say? What? Sleep with me? I don't even know you. Girl, I don't even know your dad. I don't even know your mom. I haven't even met your dog that you're always talking about. We haven't even been together for one month. And all of a sudden, you want to sleep with me? Who do you think I am? You think I'm an object? See, I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. You're like all the other girls. All you women, all y'all want is one thing. Well, you know what? I, I don't think this relationship is going to work out. I, You know, this is, 
I, I, I knew there was something off about you. You claimed that you were different, but now you have shown me your true skin color. You know, you've changed since the first time we've exchanged numbers. <laughs> A guy wouldn't say something like that. That's usually something a woman would say. A woman would not give anything without anything in return. And in most cases, all women want in return is love. But for guys, we could care less. We keep counting bodies with no emotional attachment or feelings of remorse because, again, we're visual. And that's the problem with our society. Sex was never supposed to happen without commitment. That's essentially what marriage is, a commitment. A commitment that no matter what happens to me or you, financially, physically, or emotionally, I will always be there to love and protect you. That's all marriage really is, a commitment. Sex without commitment is recreation. It's recreational. One-night stands, hidden runs, entanglements, friends with benefits, all of these are society telling you to enjoy it without committing to stay and be there for the person that you are sleeping with. Pretty much doing it with no strings or ties attached. And it's a result of this perception that so many people, especially our young people, are broken, hurt, damaged, and traumatized. Which brings me to my next point, why you should wait until marriage. I mean, let's talk about it. Why should we wait until marriage? Yes, the average young person, you know, to wait until marriage. They're like, no. Why should I wait until marriage? Why can't I have it now? Why can't I enjoy it now? If I want to have sex now, why can't I do it now? Why do I have to wait a certain amount of time, right? And then you have some people who just feel like, man, I can't live without it, man. Like, yo, let me be me. Let me do what I want to do if I want to do it, right? There's a lot of animosity towards this idea and this concept of sex before marriage with young people. And even in society, it's presented to us as if, you know, marriage is slavery and as if we are suppressing our happiness if we decide to wait until marriage and you know some people just feel like hey look if i want to do it let me do it the way i want to okay don't project your ideology upon me and a lot of times when people think about sex before marriage the first thing they think about is religion the first thing they think about is the bible and they think about god but i'm here to tell you that today science actually backs up the practice of waiting until marriage to have intimacy with your partner. I came across an article called, the title is called The Science of Sex Before Marriage. And this article was in wellnessclinic.com and it was written by Dr. Andrew Magers. And it's a very interesting article, I must say. The article is not even religious. It's not based on any moral or religious principles, but pure scientific data and research. Listen closely. According to this article, researchers said those who decided to wait until marriage compared to those who didn't report higher relationships to satisfaction at 20%. 
better communication at 12%. Now pay attention to this. Less divorce consideration at 22% and better sexual quality at 15%. Look at that. According to this data, it shows that those who wait longer until marriage to have sex, the longer they wait, the better their relationship is after marriage. And again, this is not me quoting a Bible verse or scripture, thou shall not. This is pure scientific data that waiting until marriage is in the best interest of a lasting and healthy marriage. One of the reasons why the article mentions is that when you begin to have sex with your partner before marriage, it gets in the way of you properly investigating your partner. In other words, it gets in the way of you being the Sherlock Holmes in the relationship. It blows your cover. For example, intimacy with your partner will create such a strong emotional bond that can lead to an infatuation. Your emotions and feelings become so tied that it takes the driving seat of the relationship. And when that happens, you're no longer paying attention to the red flags and the deeper flaws of your relationship, and you overlook signs that are telling you that, hey, this is not going to work. Hey, I don't think this guy's for you. Hey, I'm worried about you, okay? Because this guy is not the perfect guy for you. Hey, this girl or this woman who you thought was perfect, who you thought was the one who you wanted to spend the rest of your life with, I think you might need to go back to the drawing board and reconsider. Hey, if you continue this relationship, you are going to be on the road to misery and will, hey, you should stop, you should cut this off. Hey, are you even listening to me? Hey, how loud do I have to scream? Hey, stop the relationship. Sex literally blinds you. You're literally blinded by all of the signs and the flags, and you're just going, and pretty much, you're pretty much in the relationship for the ride, right? You're pretty much in it for the ride. And get this, the article also mentions that it gives you a false sense of closeness. It makes you think that you are closer to your partner than you actually are. You know when you're driving and you're on the road and you look at your rearview mirror and on the rearview mirror you look outside, it says that objects appear closer than they do on the mirror than it does on the mirror. Well, that's exactly the opposite of your relationship when you're having sex. Actually, your partner is further from you than they appear when you're starting to have sex with them. Because again, you're looking from the rearview mirror of emotions and this emotional bond. Because if you really think about it, right, it's not like you're spending more time with your partner as you're having sex with them or that you're communicating any more with them right? And in some cases, people use sex to manipulate their partners and escape the reality of the relationship. And some people are in a relationship just because of it. Like I remember one time I had a coworker and she was talking to me about this one friend that she had that she was trying to talk and reason with. And this one friend was in a relationship uh, with a guy 
And the guy, this, now, now mind you, this is a man who uh, is not working, was not even looking for work. He was just eating. He was a couch potato. He was in the house all day. And he was literally doing nothing, not paying the bills. And this this lady was 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 doing everything. The woman was doing everything. She was paying the bills. She was running the household. Well, this man was just kicking his feet up on the couch, watching Netflix, running the, the electricity bills. And, of course, the friend asks, why are you even in a relationship with him? Why can't you just find someone better? And guess what she said? Well, you know, he pleases me. I mean, that that is so low that someone would base a relationship based on sex. I mean, you see how dysfunctional that is? You see, love is not driven by sex. Love should only be driven by intelligence and reasoning. Reasoning should be the governing wheel that drives the relationship not sex. Because when life hits and the emotions fade, the curtains are drawn back. Everyone takes their bow. What do you have to fall back on, Mr. Romeo? What do you have to fall back on, Mrs. Juliet? Choosing a partner should be a thorough investigation. How do they treat their parents, their siblings? How do they live at home? How is their relationships with friends and family members? Do they budget? Are they financially literate? How is their emotional health? How is their mental health? How do they react to negative situations and circumstances? How often do they get angry? Or how often do they think negative thoughts or, you know, just throwing questions out there like you have to get your investigative engine running because a relationship is such a serious thing you know they often say that it's the people that are closest to you that are able to hurt you and i could tell you right now that there's no one who can hurt you more than someone you see yourself spending the rest of your life with and if you see someone that you see yourself spending the rest of your life with if you're going to be that close to someone, then you should pay just as much attention or just as closely to see if they're even worthy of that opportunity. I used to work at CVS. It was a retail store. And I used to work as a cashier. And I remember one day on my 4 to 11 p.m. shift, I was working and it was getting around 10, 10 30, around 11. And usually at this time, the store is running pretty slow. No one's really in the store at the time. So around those times, I ventured to the magazine aisle and I usually pick up a Sports Illustrated magazine or I pick up a men's fitness, men's health magazine. Well, in this case, on that day, I picked up a magazine from Times Magazine and there was an article there called Crimes of Passion. And what this means is that it's a crime between two lovers. And usually the article was going over stories of lovers who found out that their other lover was cheating and they took it upon themselves to take away the other lover's life. Now, I bring this up because when you are emotionally tied with someone through sex, 
and eventually deciding to break that tie, it can be very damaging. And for some, it can lead to harm because of it. It's not in your best interest to get in bed before you get married. You can wait. It's not like you're going to die if you wait until marriage. People make it to know they're going to die if they don't have sex, right? They're like, no, 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 I, I, I got to do this. I have to, I have to sleep with someone. I have to have sex. I have to, I, I can't wait. Waiting until marriage, that's too late. That's too long. The world might end. Uh, Jesus might come. Um, I might never have the opportunity again. I got to live now. I'm young. You only live once. YOLO. Uh, yeah, I, I, have to, I have to do this thing. Come on. I have to, I have to do this. I mean, I've never heard of a person who died because of not having sex. I mean, let's think about it. You ever, I've never heard of someone giving me a phone call going, whoa, whoa, Pintu, uh, did you hear? Whoa, what happened? Uh, so-and-so passed away. What? Crazy. What happened? He stopped having sex. Whoa, no way. Why would he do that? That's committing suicide. Stop having sex. Come on. No one can live without having sex. What was he thinking? I don't know, but I can't call you. I'll talk to you later, okay? All right, bye. <laughs> it's never happened before. You know, all it takes is patience. And patience is a rare virtue in our world, especially considering the fact that we want everything fast. We want our Amazon gifts fast. We want our birthday presents fast. I mean, shoot, nowadays I hear people are celebrating their birthdays before their birthdays. You got people celebrating half of their birthday years. You know what I mean? And it's kind of like, wow, we are we we are a society that is driven, a microwave society that is driven by gratification. And it's no wonder why we sh why we struggle with this concept of waiting until marriage. But as we've seen that. By scientific research and data, it's actually in the best interest of a long-term and healthy relationship to wait until that time. Now, let's go on to another question in the subject. Is masturbation a sin? Yes, it is. Because you're focusing on pleasing and satisfying yourself, which is self-centered. Another word for masturbation is self-abuse. You're literally abusing yourself and your body. And it's selfish because you're doing it to yourself and with yourself. And sex is supposed to be between two people, man and a woman, who are married. And these two partners are not focusing on pleasing themselves, but focusing on pleasing the other. Now, of course, society will say that, hey, masturbation? Oh, it's completely normal. Everybody does it, right? There's nothing to worry about. Masturbation is normal. Uh, you, can, you can do that. Many people do it. There's no problem with it. You know, there's a lot of things that's wrong in our society that society says is normal, right? Divorce? Oh, divorce is normal. Yeah, that's normal. Yeah, yeah, divorce is normal. People get married and divorce all the time. Yeah, yeah. According to research, right, 50% of marriages fail uh, with with divorces. So if you know, divorce, you don't have nothing to worry about, nothing to fear about. You know, you can divorce. You can divorce. It's normal. Pornography. I mean, this is considered as a norm in society, right? But even as we see that this is something that 
is an actual addiction that people are seeking for help and counsel to get away from. But society will say, hey, that's normal. You're a guy. You're a woman. You know what I mean? I mean, you're a teenager. Your mind runs wild. You're getting curious and you're trying to know the world. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. Drinking, smoking. There's so many things that's wrong with our world that is considered normal. But normal doesn't necessarily mean that it's right. Or normal doesn't necessarily mean that it's in your best interest so that it's going to work for your good, right? Now, this brings me to something else I want to mention as well. Sex should not just also be about pleasing yourself or pleasing your partner, but it should also be pleasing to God. Consider the story of Abraham, right? And I know what you guys are thinking. What? Pleasing God? Uh, I thought it was just about pleasing my partner. Nope. Sex is also about pleasing God as well. Now, let's think about the story of Abraham, right? God made a promise to Abraham. God came to Abraham and he said, hey, look, Abraham, I got this crazy wild plan, okay, right? Now, now listen, okay? Now, your wife, Sarah, right? How old is she? Oh, well, she's about 99 years old. Okay, okay, 99 years old. All right, okay. And when's her birthday? Uh, birthday is July 4th, uh, so and so on. Oh, okay, all right, okay, cool, cool, cool. All right, well, and you guys never had children, right? Nope, never had children. All right, well, here's the plan. You guys are going to have a kid. You're going to be a father, Abraham. And Abraham's looking like, okay, all right. All right, um, I see where this is going. Yeah. This is going to be great. You're going to be a father. You're going to have a baby shower. Sarah is going to have a child. And guess what? I already have the name. You guys don't even have to come with it. The name is going to be Isaac. And he will be a blessing to many nations and to all the world. Your seed will be blessed through this child, Isaac, who I will born through Sarah, who is 99 years old, who has never had a child before. This has never been done in the world. This will show that I am God. This will give glory. This is the perfect idea, Abraham. And Abraham goes, wow, okay, this is great. Now, mind you, the story, Sarah's hearing all this and she's like, <laughs> boy, I don't know what guy I've been sipping. This ain't gonna happen. And God heard that. And when God heard about that, he was like, whoa, 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 whoa Sarah, did you just, were you laughing? Oh, <laughs> no, I wasn't laughing. I was, <laughs> I, was, I, I was coughing. I was coughing. I was coughing. And God was like, look, you guys are going to have this child. You're going to have a child, right? Now, let me get to the point. Later on in the story, Abraham has a child. But guess what? It wasn't through Sarah. Abraham slept with the maiden, right? Slept with the maid. And this was actually given by Sarah's consent. It wasn't like he went off and cheated on her, but this was her consent. Now, let me ask you guys this question. Do you think that was pleasing to Abraham? Yes, it was. Do you think it was pleasing to Sarah? Yes, it was. Do you think it was pleasing to the maid as well? Yes, it was. But was it pleasing to God? No, it wasn't. Actually, God was displeased because Abraham had sex outside of God's covenant. He had sex outside of God's promise, and as a result, God was displeased. In other words, Abraham had sex outside of faith. And the scripture says that without faith, we cannot please God. You see, when you're having sex up until marriage, well, when you get married, God is pleased. 
because you're having sex under the covenant, under the promise, and under God's guardianship and divine counsel. And must I add to you that God's covenant and commands are not necessarily burdensome, but that in it and of itself, it bears happiness and true fulfillment and a long-lasting and healthy marriage, even as scientific research has proven. And this brings me to my final point. So knowing that our young people are prematurely exposed to pornography and have all these perverted ideas about sex, when is the right time to talk to them about it? When is the right time to have the birds and the bees talk? When is the right time to sit down your son and be like, hey, Sam, I think it's time we have the talk. What talk, daddy? Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> You actually don't know what I'm about to talk about. Well, that's good. All right. Well, that wraps up the conversation. Your wife comes up to you. So, honey, how did the talk go? It went great. He's never heard about sex or anything before. Why should I even bring it to his mind and make him worried, you know? Look, talking to your child about sex can be one of the most frightening things that a parent has to do, right? It's one of the most uncomfortable things because when you think about children, you think about kids thinking about flowers, thinking about you know, toys and thinking about, uh, you know, imaginary, imaginary things and fairy tales are the cases. And for, and to know that your child is actually thinking about sex can be, can be really, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's like the, your world is sort of crashing down or on the verge of crashing down because it's like something you try to hide your child from and then they find out and then it's like, oh, all right, I got to have the conversation. I got to talk to him. Uh, I'll wait till he's done playing his video game, you know? But according to research from the healthline.com, um, this was read medically reviewed by Karen Gill, who is an MD. The U.S. Department of Health and Human Services says that it is never too early to begin having these type of conversations and by type, sexual conversations with your children. But there are specific times that are crucial in a child's life that makes the conversation more appropriate. Which is when the child is going through puberty and into adolescence. For girls, it ranges from the age of 9 to 13, where they begin having their menstrual cycles. And for guys, it's between the ages of 10 and 13, which is the best time. Now, you don't have to throw everything at them at once. You can't just... You know, show up to your child's room and throw everything on them and, you know, expect them to get it all at once and walk out the room and say, ah, I finally did it. I had the talk. I'm the best dad or I'm the best mother ever. No. That is why it's called the birds and the bees and not the elephants and giraffes. You have to start small. Small conversations. Small talk. Here and there. You know? You want to plant the seeds little by little. But I would say one of the most important aspects that you have to remember when having those little conversations or those little small talks is that you have to be honest and vulnerable. And I would say that's probably one of the most scariest part of the of speaking to your child about sex is speaking about your own experience with them. You have to share your experiences with them. And one of the best examples that I can think of when talking to your child about sex is the Red Table Talk. There was one episode on the Red Table Talk where Willow Smith, 
right? Because a Red Table Talk is a, a show where Willow Smith, Jada Pickett Smith, and their mother, grandmother, actually have these open-ended and very hot topics and very controversial topics. And with controversial comes the topic of sex in which they discuss, you know, their views or their personal experiences. And actually on one episode, Willow came out as polyamorous. Now, if you don't know what that word means, polyamorous means having or being married to multiple partners. In other words, Willow came out against the idea of monogamy, which is being married to one person. And it's interesting to me because in the interview, Willow was mentioning that one of the reasons why she believes in polyamorous is because having more than one partner gives you the freedom to experience love and to experience the pleasure that you want um, from multiple people. And she feel like monogamy is sort of like an outdated thing where people are constrained feel that they have to constrain their, you know, their sexual uh, impulses and, 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 and their sexual desires. And it almost seems as if their, you know, their freedom is taken away of expressing themselves, you know, sexually. And it's interesting to me that Willow came out that way, you know, and it, it came as a shock to, obviously, if you've seen the interview, it came as a shock to the grandmother. Um, but Jada was a little more you know, open to what she said. And, 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 you know, the, now I'm not here to bash Willow and whatever it is that she was talking about and what she was saying, because I realized that the fault does not necessarily lie on Willow Smith. Matter of fact, I commend her for her bravery. I commend her for her vulnerability. I commend her for using, you know, her voice to speak honestly. But as I mentioned before, it's not necessarily on Willow. It actually begins with Jada because, on previous episodes on the Red Table Talk, Cheda also mentioned that her herself was struggling with sex addiction, that her herself struggled with masturbation, her herself struggled with other things. And it only shows that this open-minded and, and honest conversation opened up Willow to even come out herself, right? And it wasn't didn't come out the most prettiest way but nonetheless she was able to share her experiences and this also shows as well how we can do the same with our children that if you open up that they too will open up if you open up the youth will open up right and if you open up to your child about these things, these emotions, these feelings, and these experiences, and how you have navigated through them, whether you made mistakes on the way or whatever, or, or whatever you have learned, it allows them to be at least a little easy about it, right? But of course, you can't just be honest and vulnerable and just leave it at that, but you also have to give them counsels. You also have to give them uh, mentorship. You also have to steer them the right direction. You also have to give them the principles in the right way and in the right context of how it should be done so that when they go out in society and they see these images and they see these videos and they hear their friends talk about it or someone comes up to them and say, you know, they want to, you know, engage in such activity that they would already have a mental GPS installed in their mind because of what you have 
implemented and implanted to them. Actually, research says that when you talk to your child about sex, that it's easier for them to navigate society with that kind of conversation. And so also you want to understand them, understand that it is a confusing time for them. You know, don't belittle them or don't shame them or don't necessarily be quick to punish them, right? Discipline has its place, but you really want to be gentle and tender considering that this is a very sensitive subject, right? Actively listen to them, hear what they're saying, and most importantly, pray for them because only God can make and keep us pure. Be honest, be vulnerable, be intentional, and most importantly, be there. And even me, myself, the only reason why I'm able to even do this podcast or had the um, audacity to even confront such a subject is because even me, myself, I know from experience the damaging of pornography. I once as well, too, used to watch these things. And I can tell you that as a man, it damages you. Right? It's not something that you really want to continue with. What you are seeing is not even real. Much of those things are acting, and much of what you are seeing is not even something that is genuine. It's not something practical. It's not something that you can take back with you in life and that it can return value to you. In itself, it's valueless. And that's what we have to understand is that pornography is sex without value. And God presented sex to us in its best value. And sex at its best value is experience during marriage between two individuals who are intentionally in love with one another, who are committed to being there and for each other. And young people, I know it's hard. I know there's so many temptations out there. I know there's so many hashtags. I know there's so many things going on. I know there's so much hype, but I'm telling you that right now, if you want to be happy, if you want to live a life of purpose, if you want to leave a mark in this world, if you want to live a happy and fulfilling life, wait. Because anything that is good is worth waiting for. And sex is no different. Well, that about concludes our episode for today. I hope you guys learned something out of it and that you're able to take this back with you at home, at work, at school, wherever you are. And you're able to actually continue to better and self-improve, not just yourself, but also those around you. I want to say thank you for listening to this podcast called The True For You. My name is Bintu Sanji, your host, and may you all be blessed, my youths. And until next time, goodbye.